Hey everyone, welcome to the Everyday Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. On today's episode, I am chatting with Christy Eden. Christy and I have something in common. It's called PMDD, also known as premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a hormone-based mood disorder with symptoms arising during the premenstrual or luteal phase of the menstrual cycle and subsiding within a few days of menstruation. It affects an estimated 5.5% of women and individuals assigned female at birth. This information is provided by IAPMD, International Association for Premenstrual Disorders, which I will link in the show notes. In this episode, we dive into Christy's background relating to living with PMDD and how she plans to manage it into the future. It's a really great and informative episode, and I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Christy. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background? Yeah. Hi. So I am Christy Eden. Um, I am actually 29 years old, almost 30, and I am a PMDD warrior. Um, That's kind of the focus on why I'm here, I think, and just to be able to share back and forth and spread some awareness for PMDD. Um, And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. Um, But in terms of my background, I'm a mom of two. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Um, I was lucky enough to find my person early on. Just a really big advocate for helping others, spreading awareness about mental health and just kind of the hard things. I feel like growing up, you know, we all feel like we're in it alone at times. And I feel like before, at least, I don't know, growing up in the 90s, I felt like nobody really talked about mental health. I feel like there's a lot of things I struggled with that people are still struggling with today and just don't talk about because of how taboo it is. Um, So it's been a big goal of mine to just be as open and authentic as I possibly can. um, Because I just, I don't know, I feel like our world will be better when we're not trying to hide all of that. So I'm in communications too, which is another reason why I feel like I'm such an advocate for PMDD and for mental health. Um, I actually teach at a university, and so I get to help kind of shape young minds all the time, and I feel like I should be authentic in that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. I, uh, yeah, I'm in grad school now. And part of the reason I went back was so I can, I can teach and, you know, spread the awareness. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, growing up in the 90s, no one ever really talked about this stuff. I started having anxiety when I was in high school, kind of a mess in college. And now that I look back on it, I think a lot of it is related to PMDD. So for those of you out there, uh, PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I'll kind of leave a full definition and links to the medical definitions in the show notes, Um, but it's something that both you and I have. Uh, So can you tell the listeners about your diagnosis and what PMDD looks like for you? Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, I'll start off with I went 17 years of my 29 years undiagnosed and it started from the moment that I started menstruating Um, and I it's kind of weird so I've been writing more and more about my symptoms and I can remember to the day when I started my period which is probably weird and I feel like most people (laughs) maybe don't think that but I remember like the show I watched, like I remember that was the night That's So Raven came out on Disney Channel. Um, So yeah, so I was 12 and I started my period and immediately went through crazy physical symptoms. Um, I had to stay home from school for at least a day before my period every single time, sometimes up to a week. And what that really looked like for me was just extreme cramping, um, all over body aches, uh, going back and forth between hot flashes and chills. I would actually um, get sick and vomit a lot of times just because of how painful it really was. And I was always so nauseated. And so obviously being, you know, 12, 13, 14 and going through that, 
it's not really normal. And then my hormones would be crazy too, because obviously um, with PMDD, there's so many mental um, side effects that you get, especially for those that don't know, PMDD is actually listed as a DSM-5 um, mental health disorder. And, um, you know, bless my mom's heart, she didn't really know. And so she just kind of blamed it on being a hormonal teen. But yeah, I just had insane symptoms, which... I'm sure, you know, Amanda, you can understand that too. The physical symptoms, you know, I definitely get them. I get like the back pain and like the headaches and the nausea, which it's interesting because when you're a teenager, they're like, oh, you're just adjusting to your period. And then it's mm -hmm. like, you get into the middle of your twenties and you're like, okay, this I'm done adjusting. Like I've had my period for over a decade, like something's up here. I actually really struggled a lot with the moodiness and the depression. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think for years you just kind of get used to it. And then I think stress had made it worse for me. And my mom actually pointed it out to me. I was, I had just graduated college. I was 23 and she's like, you have these symptoms like right before you get your period. And I was like, mm -hmm. huh, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that. And then my doctors were just like, oh, it's just PMS and stuff. And then after a year or two, I had suicidal ideation. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I've never ever in my life, even with the really severe anxiety, I never had any type of suicidal thoughts. And I was like, there's something to this. Um, and then pretty much, yeah, I, I only really kind of got a diagnosis about a year and a half ago and I'm now 30. Okay. Um, so, and I think the average, I think the average diagnosis is like, it takes 12 to 17 years, if mm -hmm. not longer, because you know, they just, no one knows anything about this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, it's just PMS. And it's like, Oh, if you're like if this, you're going through this every single month. And my whole thing, like the huge breaking point for me was the suicidal thoughts. I was like, okay, this is not just PMS, you know? Oh, absolutely. All of that is, and it's things that we don't talk about because ugh. It's so hard to say I have suicidal thoughts. It freaks people out mm -hmm. um, and rightfully so. It, it's not something that, you know, should be taken lightly, but I think that people are too afraid to talk about it because of that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't remember having suicidal ideation at all um, when I was a teenager. I do remember having instances where I would think to myself, like, almost like, oh, I should hurt myself or whatever, but not necessarily in a way that I would consider permanent. And um, a big thing that I would always do and actually was like a coping technique for me, I would literally just like scratch or rub my forearms. Um, and I've learned that like, for some people, it's kind of a way to um, help if someone's like, cutting their wrists or trying to harm themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily, I mean, I was, I went straight to that versus doing something else. But yeah, it can be really difficult. Uh, and you know, as a 13 year old, my mom sends me to the doctor, of course, because she's like, you can't miss this much school, the state's gonna come after us. And like, this isn't okay, this isn't normal. And um, I actually saw two different OBs. Um, both just said it was normal moodiness and um, normal like teenage stuff. And um, the second one put me on birth control, actually. I don't remember that it helped, but maybe it did. I just remember eventually hitting a point where I felt like I need to be successful. And that was something that I always had valued. And I feel like for a few years that really dropped off. And so around the time that I was 16, I actually completely numbed out. Like I was somehow able to get rid of any normal feelings and essentially become a robot built to succeed and get through. And so went on to undergrad. Um, and during that whole time, I mean, I 
struggle to sometimes remember it um, just because I really was that numbed out. I was all about how can I do the most I can do to be successful. I'm not going to let, you know, I'm not going to let these hormones, I'm not going to let depression, I'm not going to let anxiety, I'm not going to let any of that get in my way um, kind of mentality. And so around the age of 23, which is crazy, Amanda, I feel like we have a lot of the same numbers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, around the age of 23, my husband and I had just gotten married. I was in graduate school. Um, and we decided that, you know, maybe sometime soon, it would be time for a child. And so I went off of the birth control. And holy cow. So I mean, the birth control definitely had to have helped looking back on it. Um, but my cycles were so intense. I mean, not only was I somewhat depressed from grad school because grad school is just a really difficult time in a lot of people's lives, I think, but I, you know, had the depression I'm going through attempting to learn how to teach and learning how to, um, research and do all of that because I was in like an in-house sort of graduate program it was, you know, you weren't working full time alongside it. It was that you were employed by them to teach. And it was a really big adjustment. Um, and then the cycles came back in a really intense manner. And it, I mean, it was rough to say the least. I would have two weeks where essentially I didn't get up off the couch. My husband would leave for work. He would come home. I would be in the exact same spot on the couch. I couldn't clean the house. I couldn't do homework really I couldn't interact with people nothing I just laid on that couch and then for two weeks I would be completely fine and something should have told me then and there that it it was more but I mean at that point I had lived over what 11 years of my life with it mm -hmm. I just felt like it's who I was and I kind of took it on as almost like something that I should have been able to correct but was really you know a failure at. Um, and that gets to some of, we could have a whole talk on all the stuff I've unearthed in therapy on, you know, my anxiety and <laughs> what derives it and all of that. Um, but one of my big things is just that like, I'm not enough. I have to push, I have to succeed. And so I think that's honestly one of the biggest reasons my PMDD diagnosis took as long as it did. But I guess fast forward, I, you know, we got pregnant about a year later and um, had anxiety through the pregnancy some, but I'd always had anxiety. But after I had my firstborn, the postpartum was, I mean, bad, scary bad. And I was embarrassed of it. I was ashamed of it. And so I did everything I could to hide it. It didn't feel rational to me. It didn't feel normal. And so I just tried to hide it. And I would have intrusive thoughts and I struggled to let anybody even hold him. I was so afraid of him getting hurt or sick. I thought many times that I must have made a mistake. I shouldn't have done this. Like I wasn't meant to do this. And, um, you know, one fact about PMDD is actually that it's so it's um, significantly more common for somebody with PMDD to have postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if you think about it, and I know that Amanda's going to drop some links, but PMDD is essentially the fact that you can't really handle the variation in hormone levels. And so as your hormone levels go up and down, then you're definitely going to have like mental issues, mental symptoms from the hormones going up and down. So that's why it kind of occurs. And so yeah, I, I had it for over a year. And then finally, sort of got my life back on track. But it was still just the constant up and down two weeks were good, two weeks were bad. I could eat healthy, I could do everything right, I could have a clean house, I could have my whole life together, and then it would all fall apart again over and over and over again. And so I was in therapy, um, trying to work on some of that. And just before my second pregnancy, I actually um, mentioned to the therapist what was going on. Um, and, you know, she was like, maybe it's bipolar, but it doesn't sound bipolar, but it's up and down. And so that was kind of it. We 
kind of determined it was related to my cycles, but not fully. And then I, you know, oopsie, had a second, um, <laughs> which was a very hard pregnancy. Um, I had a subchorionic hemorrhage with her. And so at any given point in time, could have lost her, was on bed rest for a good majority of it. Um, and then had her five weeks early and had to do 12 days in the NICU. And so mm. all of that combined would lead any probably normal person without anxiety to have some sort of like PTSD, depression, something along those lines. But it was, it was bad. I threw myself into doing any projects I could until I would just fall apart again. Thought many, many times about not existing anymore, um, which is really hard to admit. But I like have a specific memory of just standing in the shower and thinking, yeah, I could, I could be gone. And that's with a husband that I love and adore, two beautiful kids, one that it took me a year of, you know, hell to bring her into this world. And yet I wanted to be gone. Um, and so I started finally, because I knew I had to do something. I started an SSRI, which is an antidepressant. Um, specifically, I'm on the generic brand of Zoloft. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I, I mean, I was still having these horrible cyclical moods, but a little bit better. I was able to kind of pull myself up. And that's when I started really thinking about what my initial therapist had said in, yeah, maybe these are cyclical. Maybe it's related to my cycle. Maybe something is going on. And, you know, at that point, I had seen seven doctors total. And I was just trying to keep fighting through pushing through. And I thought, how am I just going to do this the rest of my life? Like, how are my kids going to grow up and they're going to see a mom who can't keep it together? Like, how am I going to do this? Um, and that was March of this year in 2020 when <laughs> in the United States, at least and all over the world, everything, you know, fell apart because of COVID. And I don't know what exactly caused it, but something snapped and it got to a point where um, specifically in June and July, I couldn't even get up off the couch. I wanted to be gone. I did not want to exist. I did not want to be alive anymore. Um, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't do anything in those two weeks. And then my period would hit and all of a sudden I'd be fine. And I started to notice it and I started to journal and track everything going on. And finally in July of this year, after 17 years being undiagnosed, I got my PMDD diagnosis, um, and it's literally changed my life. No, I have a question about that. So a yeah. lot of the times around diagnoses, uh, it's actually the patient or the client bringing forth what they think they might have. So did you yep. actually see a doctor or a therapist who knew what PMDD was? Nope. I discovered no. it just like everyone else. Um, mm -hmm. So... You know, to be honest, I can't remember the exact moment that I saw the words PMDD. I feel like I saw them before my first or my second pregnancy when my doctor or my therapist at that time brought up, hey, this seems cyclical, but honestly, I can't really remember, which is horrible. Um, and then I remember, though, at March of this year, for some reason, it popped in my brain and I just started digging into it. And the first thing I saw, IAPMD.org, um, the first thing that I saw was information there. And I took the quiz and it was like, yep. And then it was told me, okay, start tracking. You need to track. And so when I went in in July, I was able to have um, three months of tracked behavior. And um, it allowed me to see kind of when it hits, when my period hits, how I feel every day, what physical symptoms I'm having. And so I was able to bring that in. Um, and in July, I saw the first primary care provider. I told him that I had it. He told me, oddly enough, um, that, that earlier that day, he had a patient with it. And it was the first time he had ever heard of it. And so he had done a little bit of research after her appointment. So going into mine, he was actually aware of PMDD. 
he helped hook me up with a therapist that was in that office and um, her and I kind of went back and forth. We spent two more months really tracking, um, running through all possible situations to a point where she said, yep, this is it. And also, yeah, we've done pretty much all we can do. I suggest seeing a specialist. Um, and so that's where I'm at. I have an appointment with a specialist in about two weeks, actually. Yeah. And, and that's the, it's such, it's so frustrating. Like whenever I hear people's stories and also there's almost this lack of, first of all, there's a lack of understanding and a lack of research to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this lack of, not trusting women who are coming Mm -hmm. forward with this and they're like, Oh, you know, it's just hormonal and so forth. And something that really solidified for me like earlier this year. So I actually do some volunteer work through IAPMD and um, I actually started because I was like having a really crappy month. And I was like, you know what, something sometimes that helps me feel better is when I'm able to talk to other people who are going through what I'm going through. And if I can help someone get to even the point that I'm at, you know, that that's just worth it for me. And we, it was kind of circulating in the the internal chat and um a woman had you know a a young woman um took her life and it was in her obituary and i was like okay this is real like you know this is and i didn't even need it like her like that situation to solidify it but i was like this is real this is serious this is something that we need to be talking more about and it's just for me, it, it's so frustrating that, you know, there's such a lack of awareness of um, this condition and mm-hmm. how long it's taking for people to get a diagnosis. And I know you'll probably go into it, but, you know, some of the research out there is also noting that kind of as you get older, it's starting to get worse too. And I know that there's also people who, you know, women who have had children, sometimes there it's more impactful with the, the fluctuating hormones and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but my, I, you know, I've managed it pretty well over the past few years and I started an antidepressant um, a, about a year and a half ago after literally trying everything. Um, I was, you know, vegan for seven years. I did acupuncture. I did massage mm-hmm. therapy. I took the supplements, like everything I could find out and figure out. Um, and then I was like, you know, I went back to my like research roots and I was like, all right, what's evidence-based and evidence-based right now is an SSRI. Um, that's really what they're utilizing to treat a PMDD. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people, they do well on the pill and then other people, because we have that sensitivity to the hormone fluctuations, it, it just doesn't work for other people. So yeah, it's kind of like this um, tried and tested thing too. Um, but it's- Oh, it, absolutely. And it's frustrating too. It's like when you're going in and like, you know, you're, I mean, I get it. It's like, there's a certain point where there has to be some education, but you know, when you're in this like really vulnerable state and having to educate your healthcare provider and even not having a believability around it, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's an uphill battle. Um, Oh, absolutely. I mean, being, I mean, honestly, at age 12, there's probably no way I could have self-diagnosed that. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's think, you know, when you're that young, it's just not possible. Um, But yeah, I mean, the fact that I saw seven different doctors over 17 years, all the same symptoms, and yet no one ever knew. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to fight for it. Um, it's insane. And then because women, I mean, I could probably go on forever about women in our society and you know, how we're believed and what it is that we have to do and how we have to communicate and all of that. Um, but plain and simple, women are not really taken seriously at all when it comes to healthcare. Of course, there are exceptions to that. But I mean, my goodness, the amount of things I have related just to the two pregnancies that I went through um, of me having to severely advocate for myself. I mean, literally in the process of pushing out a child, having to argue with a doctor and advocate for myself because they felt they knew what was better. And I mean, don't get me wrong. A doctor obviously does, but 
also, I mean, I don't know, women, I feel like have to advocate maybe a little bit more than they should have to for things like this. Um, and I believe that maybe it's because it's this invisible disorder that can't be tracked any other way besides you writing how you feel. Um, there's no blood tests that are going to tell you that you have it. There's nothing like that. It, it just really comes down to tracking and somebody being willing to listen um, and to trust you. And so, you know, we keep talking about how horrible it is. Um, but yeah, I, I want to try my best to paint a picture of what PMDD looks like for me. Um, and it's, I'll say it's different for everyone. There are um, 11 symptoms of PMDD. And if you have, I could be wrong on this number, Amanda, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe if you have five of the 11 symptoms each time, then you probably have PMDD. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm just, I think it's five of 11. Yeah, I think it is five of 11 now that you're saying it. Um, yeah. And and that's the thing too, is that, you know, I don't know if you experienced this, but you know, I had okay months and I had bad months Mm -hmm. and then I had okay months and I had bad months. And so that was also kind of part of that struggle with the diagnosis is, you know, I would go into my doctor and be like, oh yeah, I'm having some depression before my period. But like that month I wasn't, you know, maybe as stressed out or, you know, things in Mm -hmm. life were going well, but then the next month I'd be like crying for a week straight. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you, like I've walked out of jobs, I've ended relationships. I mean, it, and it's weird because I had to hide it too, because most people in my life are, know me as, you know, I'm pretty quiet. I tend to be a little bit of a people pleaser. So this kind Mm of, um, almost like vicious cycle that I was going through every month I had to hide for a while. But yeah, going back to the point of, you know, some months were okay, some months were bad. And so that also kind of goes into, you know, that whole diagnosis process where they're like, well, was it really that bad you know Mm -hmm. and it's like oh I know yeah they try to convince you that you don't that it's not as bad and you're like oh I I think it is (laughs) but yeah yeah when I'm just like yeah when you're yeah you're on the couch and you feel like you can't function Mm -hmm. and my whole thing was is I was very much totally different from what I was outside of those two weeks of the cycle like you know just very I'm pretty much very like accommodating and and you know pretty easy to get along with but once I ovulated I was like pretty nasty and Mm -hmm. you know I was able to hide it from some people like some of my bosses and in my coworkers and stuff but um actually one thing that happened to like a year and a half ago i actually snapped pretty bad on a coworker and i was like mm. oh gosh like that is so that's so not me um and that's actually that month i actually started an ssri cuz i was like i got to i got to do something you know cuz it's oh, like yeah. i just can't feel like this every single day so Oh, absolutely. Um, and my experience is so similar to yours. I, I mean, the best way that I can explain it is that for two weeks, I am no longer myself. Mm-hmm. Um, how it feels um, can be different every single time. There are months where, you know, it's there, It's in the background, but I'm pushing through, I'm getting through, and it's not that big of a deal. And then there are months where I literally cannot do anything. And by that, I mean, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to, you know, take care of my children. It's impossible to work. And every single time, the one thing that always seems to happen throughout, whether it's the worst cycle or the best, um, it's almost like there's a little version of Christy standing behind looking out of my eyes. Um, it's like, I know I'm in there, but I'm watching the world just from a different perspective. I'm living and it's almost like this out of body experience for me. Um, I'm just not myself. I'm really like reverted inward. Um, I'm a communicator. I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love connecting with people. Um, There's 
honestly nothing I like more than having a conversation where at the end of it, I've been able to really connect with someone and, you know, help them out in whatever way. And in those two weeks of, and for me, it can be a full two weeks leading in, um, especially in the really bad months, but I'm not that. I'm not the teacher that I normally am. I'm not the mother, the wife, anything. I'm just literally a shell of my old self. Um, and the physical symptoms for me can range from, I always get the back pain, like you were saying, Amanda. Um, I also sometimes get like sciatic shooting pain down my legs. Um, I have a lot of joint swelling in that time too. So my body will just kind of ache and um, like my hands, my fingers, all of them, they just hurt. I get headaches. Um, I also have trouble falling asleep. I get really bad insomnia, especially the four days before my period. Um, there's times where I can go a whole night and not sleep at all. Um, and when I close my eyes, the best way to describe it is almost like it's I don't know, a strobe light going off, like my, I don't know if it's like my eyes are literally flashing back and forth, you know, moving really quickly, or if that's just what it feels like. I get formication to where it feels like there are bugs crawling under my skin. And then the mental stuff, I mean, brain fog, I cannot think to save my life. Um, I was joking with Amanda earlier, I wrote down literally like step by step everything of what happened when because it's just really hard for me to keep a straight thought going when I'm in PMDD. And, you know, depression, suicidal thoughts, ideation, even just like thoughts of harming oneself, crying, falling apart. I don't know. I mean, you name it. There's, there's so many symptoms. And I think for some people, it can be lighter. For other people, it can be very, very dark. And I think for others, it's kind of some months are better. And some months are really bad. And what Amanda was saying earlier, too, about the age. Yeah, I from the research, what I can tell is that some people may start out their period with it, some may not. Um, but around this age 29 to 31, it gets worse for a lot of people or it starts. Um, and then the other time frame where it gets really bad again is around perimenopause, um, around that 45 range. PMDD can look worse again for people or can, you know, show up. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've had people who will say, oh, that's not a symptom of PMDD or oh, that's not, that's not that. But in all reality, PMDD is not well-researched. It's, it's not super funded. It's not something that doctors really know about. We're constantly finding out new information about it. Even the journals that have, you know, done research on it, it's, it's not large enough samples to even really know. And so I feel like, you know, in this community, one of the big things I'm really trying to do is just talk openly about everything that's happening and to hear what other people are saying about their symptoms too and recognizing that they're probably all consistent with PMDD. It's just that nobody's really done the research to figure out exactly what happens. Yeah, and you bring up a really great point too is that everyone's on a spectrum, right? And whether mm -hmm. you have anxiety or depression or bipolar, we're kind of all on the spectrum. So, and that spectrum may fluctuate like month to month. And we know that precursors like stress, um, life situations, losing a job, other things like that can definitely impact PMDD. I had a really, I had probably one of my worst months in years, actually this past October. Um, and, you know, it, it was all related to stress. You know, something I never realized too was the physical symptoms. I thought everything with PMDD was always the mental, like the emotional stuff, but like you, I can't really sleep the few days leading up to my cycle. My back, it's just like, oh God, it feels like I throw my back out. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's just, it's tough. It, and, um, you know, and, and that's the thing too, is that some people may have more intense physical symptoms. Some people may have more um, mental health, emotional symptoms. You can kind of have a variation of them. I remember a few days ago, you had the questions on your stories and I was yeah. reading like what 
what everyone else was saying. And a lot of them had those physical symptoms, which I feel like generally isn't really talked about either. We tend to kind of talk more openly about the, um, um, the, the mental symptoms and mm-hmm. something I realized too, is I get really itchy. <laughs> so yeah. Weird. I actually have to take, um, an antihistamine and I always thought it was, oh, I have allergies, but so many people in the IAPMD group were talking about it. And I was like, okay, I'm not alone on this one. So here's another symptom to add to the list. Yes. No, I've heard that one a lot too, actually. I wonder if it's, similar to like how I always I describe it as like those bugs crawling under my skin Mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean I definitely like will like rub my arms and stuff like that I don't think it's the exact same but um that was one thing that a lot of people I posted about the like bugs crawling under your skin and people were like oh my goodness there's a name for this I had no idea (laughs) um and so it's just I don't know there's something really special about finding a community of people who have that same invisible illness that you have just because it it really makes you feel less crazy, especially with the disease that already makes you feel very crazy every two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've talked a lot about symptoms and stuff like that. Um, So how do you cope, uh, you know, leading up to the tough week or two leading to your cycle? Yeah, um, that's been something. I mean, I feel like, kind of what you're talking about. It's like, figure out something new, test it out, see how it goes and and go from there. And so I, in the past few months since my diagnosis, um, have just been trying to figure out what works and um, started seeing some relief the first few weeks or few months. I was doing acupuncture. I was um, every single week, sometimes twice a week. Um, I was doing therapy, uh, like CBT therapy, um, working on some of my codependency issues as well. Um, but trying to work through those, taking time to rest, self-care, all of that. Thought I was seeing some relief and then had another really bad month hit. And that's when I started to realize just how cyclical it really is. And that's something we've already talked about some, but yeah, for me, it's about every, I have anywhere from one to two good months. And then I have a really bad one. So it's like I can push through and those other two. And then on that really bad one, there is nothing I can do um, Mm -hmm. to figure it out. And so for me, one of the big things has been how and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I pride myself on my work, I really do like to work and communicate and be in touch with people. And I mean, literally my full-time job is working with students at a university and helping them to understand better public relations, which is all about managing relationships. And so, you know, the fact that relationships fall off for two weeks out of every month for me um, is a very detrimental thing. And so one of the biggest techniques that I have really picked up that I feel like has been helpful to a lot of people um, is just ensuring that I'm communicating effectively during that time. And because I tend to revert inward, um, I just give everyone in my life a heads up. I actually use, and I don't know why I picked it, but the black heart emoji. um, And I send it out on my stories um, on Instagram to, you know, my close friends there. I send it out to the students that I work with. I let my husband know. I let my family know, my siblings. I haven't started talking about it with my kids just yet because they are five and almost two. So it's not something that, you know, as it comes up and it's bad, I just kind of say, yeah, mommy's having a hard time. She just doesn't feel right. But with everybody else in my life, even if I don't know that it's going to be a bad cycle, I just let them know. Um, I talked to them ahead of time and said, hey, to me, it'll be easier for me to reach out um, and it'll be easier for you to know how to check in on me if I just let you know every time. And I just educate those in my life on what PMDD is. And I feel like rather than it defining me, it allows me to take control over something that has literally, I mean, it's literally nothing I can control, but yet it gives me some ability to um, control what's going on. The other thing I do with, um, you know, 
coworkers or colleagues at work that I'm not necessarily close with and sharing this information, I have a, an automatic email set up and I always have it to where it runs from nine days before my cycle until the day after my cycle start. Okay, so, um, and all it says is, thank you for reaching out. I may take longer than normal to respond to your request at the moment. If this is an emergency, please send a quick text to, and then I have my phone number. Um, and so that goes out to everyone in my life that I wouldn't necessarily share this with. Um, and then those in my life that I would and that I feel comfortable saying, hey, this is what's going on. I send them um, that emoji. And then that way before every single cycle hits, like everyone in my life knows where I'm at to where I've seen a lot of success from it. People check in on me differently in that time. Um, I have even sometimes where you know, issues that somebody might bring up to me, they may even wait on because they know I'm just not in the right space for it. Um, I've just been able to get a lot of relief from those two techniques. Otherwise, it just is easing up on the workload. I tend to front load a lot of my work. I tend to do more like, honestly, 50 to 60 hours a week in the two good weeks so that I can pull back in the off weeks. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, I've got a job that I can do that with. I can kind of you know, front load on one end, you know, when it comes to grading or stuff like that, I can make sure to do that when I'm in a good spot. For me, when I'm feeling really bad and icky, it's water. I go to baths or showers. CBD oil helps some with some of the physical symptoms and really just taking time for myself and resting and almost just the idea of radical acceptance. Like, I can't do anything about this. Um, all I can do is let it happen and take care of myself through it. And it doesn't mean that just because it's bad today, it's going to be bad tomorrow. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But, you know, just allowing myself to experience exactly what I need to in the moment. I so love that. And I love going back to what you do at work um, because I know some people listening out there may be, you know, not in a position where they're even comfortable talking to their close family and, and coworkers at this point. So just being, you know, kind of just pre-communicating that I may be a little bit slower with my response in terms of communication because mm -hmm. I know for you probably the same thing if an issue comes up you probably don't react the same way to it as you do um, on your other two weeks. I know for myself, I just get over, oh, like just overly emotional. And I mm -hmm. can sometimes say like destructive things that I really don't want to, and then end up having to clean it up. So, and I've actually been working with my therapist about, you know, my goal in the <laughs> near future or future is to try and be able to set up a schedule where if I'm having those bad days, like I'm able to kind of take that easiness off of work. Like you said, do more of that front loading work. Um, I have flexibility with my work too, so I can certainly do that. Um, but again, it, you know, it takes time and it takes strategy and it takes support mm -hmm. from the people in your life, you know? Oh, absolutely. It really does. I mean, I think having supportive people in your life, whether that's your, you know, partner that you're with, your boss, anything along those lines. Um, and one other thing to note with PMDD, I mean, it is actually something that people go on disability for. Um, and it's something that is a true diagnosis and my I haven't done it yet but my boss has really encouraged me to go to HR just so that when she's eventually not our department head um, that I'm still protected and um, I don't know I mean for those that are at larger companies that might make sense for you just to try to figure out what works for me she's completely fine with that email technique she knows what's going on with me and so yeah I'm really able to um, I feel like be more protected in my work because I'm open about it, but obviously not everyone will have that um, luxury. Yeah. I mean, since it is a mental health condition, it is protected under the ADA, the mm -hmm. Americans with Disabilities Act. And that's, it's funny. So I'm actually going to 
get my master's in organizational psychology. And that's part of my work is improving mental health in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise, a lot of it is rooted in, you know, my struggles with PMDD. And um, like, I just cannot focus when I have my PMDD. And mm-hmm. sometimes I just in general struggle with focus. I'm a highly sensitive person. So if there's a lot going on around me, I tend to kind of get really distracted. But with PMDD, I'm like, you can hand me 10 tasks and I'm like, yep, it it just won't get done. Like it's just, you're in such a brain fog. And honestly, you're just trying to get through the day. Like that's, that's what I say to people is like, I'm just managing to try and like, just get through the day and you know, this will be over in a few days, but right now it's like my health is priority. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Just literally trying to exist in it. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to get through it. (laughs) For sure. So for those who are newly diagnosed or struggling with PMDD, what are some suggestions you have for them? Um, so for those that are, you know, not diagnosed or thinking they may, ha- they may have PMDD, um, definitely start with tracking. You are going to have to track for at least about two to three months minimum before a doctor is going to diagnose you. And what that tracking is going to look like is, I mean, literally writing down everything that's happening, everything you're feeling, whether that's physical, mental, and there's going to be days you don't want to track, there's going to be things you don't want to write down, but you have to write them down. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get that diagnosis. Um, And that's kind of the first step, I think, in being able to work through and cope. I mean, of course, there are always natural techniques you can use at home. um, But for a lot of people, it's going to take that SSRI or, you know, the next step, which is something that I'll be looking into here soon, um, just to try to get a handle on it. And so you have to track in order to get that diagnosis. Biggest source I have is IAPMD.org. That's where I went. That's where Amanda volunteers with. It is an incredible organization. If you're on Instagram or Facebook, I know Facebook has a lot of groups. I'm not in those groups, but I'm on Facebook, I guess that's why. Um, But on Instagram, I have like this whole PMDD community of women who have it, of women who think they might have it. Honestly, even women's partners. Um, So women who are diagnosed with PMDD, but their partners want to understand what's going on. um, They're on there and they're working together to just try to build community. And I would say, beyond actually getting a diagnosis and know what was going on with myself, um, finding that community was the next most important thing I could have done. Um, And then from there, it's just, it's trying out and seeing what works for you. Um, For me, it's being communicative, letting people know what's going on, easing up on the workload, taking care of myself. As silly as it sounds, it can even be just, literally taking a bath and then going and doing my makeup. Like sometimes that just makes me feel better. Um, and so it's, it's allowing yourself to learn to almost be selfish in it, to take care of yourself, to realize that you're the most important thing when it comes down to it and you just need to get through it. And a big thing that's helped me, um, not only on working through my codependency that helped a lot, but Radical acceptance is a technique that you can utilize, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I mean, it's essentially just accepting life for where it's at in that moment, recognizing that day-to-day could be different. I mean, you could have a cycle that's really bad every single day, and you could have a cycle where two days are horrible and three are okay and manageable, but learning just to allow yourself to exist in it and through it, I feel like the more I fight it, the worse off I am. And so I think all those things are just good pieces of advice, you know, track, find a community, learn about it, see what helps you, and then just ultimately learn to accept it because it's, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, all you can do is, is learn how to live with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned you started an Instagram account, which is Badass PMDD Warrior, which I absolutely love the name. (laughs) Um, So can you just tell us what, I mean, obviously you probably know what inspired you to start it, but what has that experience been like for you? Yeah. For me, after being shoved to the side for so long, I felt like I would tell people what was going on 
and just no one listened. And as I started learning about PMDB, of course, I found this great site um, that I know is going to be linked with this. But beyond that, I, I couldn't find people who had had the same struggles. Um, I was really struggling to connect with people. And for me, connection is so important. Um, and especially in the time where I revert inward in those two weeks, it's really difficult on me. And so I just decided one day, you know what, I think I'm going to start this. I'm not in it for any reason beyond if I can help one person get diagnosed with it and learn how to have a better life. That's what, that's what matters. Um, and so Everything I'm posting is just attempting to be as authentic as I possibly can be. That's something I really value in other people. And so I wanted to have that be at the forefront. And I'm just hoping that it's there for people to connect with. Um, and I've had, you know, three people who have reached out to me specifically to let me know that they received official diagnosis um, after following me. Um, others have reached out just for phone calls and we talk and chat and, you know, they think maybe it's not where I'm at. Uh, maybe I don't have that. And so I'm able to just like talk to them about it and kind of where to go from here. And then ultimately for me, it's just nice to have that community. And like I said, as I revert in, I need someone to connect with and Otherwise, it's like two weeks out of every month, I would have no one to connect with. And so yeah, I, I can do that on there. I can go to that page. And there are people who understand exactly where I'm at. I don't have to explain it to them. I don't have to preface it. I've got people checking in on me just to make sure I'm okay. It's just it's an incredible community. And um, so yeah, it's I, I don't spend a ton of time trying to, you know, I try to educate, but definitely from more of my experiences, um, definitely more narrative format, just, you know, you'll get to see me kind of living my life with it. Um, there's tons of other pages, though, that have great information on PMDD, a lot of education um, on their posts, but for me, it's just kind of getting to see a badass PMDD warrior tackle life, you know, maintain their full-time job, their family, their sanity as much as possible. And as I move into the next phase of PMDD, which is actually chemical menopause, um, I'm going to share that as authentically as I can as well, uh, just so that people can really see what that might look like. Because again, I just couldn't find that anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that's something we didn't really touch on in this episode, but um, that's actually one of the other treatments for PMDD is the chemical menopause. So um, having, you know, essentially going through menopause early in life, earlier in life um, mm -hmm. to help with the symptoms. Um, and IAPMD has a whole section on chemical menopause too, which will, I'll definitely link in the show notes. And um, yeah, I'll, um, I'm looking forward to learning about that too, because I don't know a ton about that. Um, and it's not something I've considered yet, um, but mm -hmm. I know certainly a lot of people in the PMDD community have. So we'll definitely uh, stay posted on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I see a specialist for it in about 11 days now, and then um, we'll kind of go from there. I've talked with some people who have actually done like kind of the end-all be-all, which is that full bilateral hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm hopeful that the chemical menopause might be able to help enough, and for me and where I'm at in my life, it's doable. But again, yeah, that's not something that a lot of people are even going to want to consider, especially if they want to be able to have children. So I mean, that's what it's left to with PMDD is finding what might be able to work. Um, but no matter what, it's going to greatly impact your life. And yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I feel like it's better to know about it than to not um, so that you can learn how to live with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 